0: My name is Dustin, and uh, I, i've got a, i'm going to share you a quick little testimony about my life uh, i'm another bad guy gone good i didn't grow up in church at all. I thought Christians were weird, really weird, especially when they would come to my parties and drink my beer and smoke my weed and do all that kind of stuff. Can I talk in here a little bit okay so so I, they would be and then they would go to church and act like somebody that they're not and i'm like who are you and what are you doing? I just saw you last night, what you were doing, and now I see what you're doing. I, and, I, and I just, I was like, what do people do when they go into these churches for two hours? What are they doing? They're dressing up. Listen, like, I, I couldn't sit anywhere for two hours. Now I can't get out of church. I love church. But I wound up reading the Bible. I had everything I thought I wanted in life. I wasn't down and out, living under a bridge, addicted to drugs. I had everything I wanted. I was up and out. And I wound up reading the Bible. It's a long story, but I, but I read the Bible. I read the New Testament. I didn't even know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. I read the New Testament cover to cover, and I set it down, and in my mind I said something like this. I said, God, you're either the biggest lie ever known to mankind, or you're real. And if you're real, I don't need anybody but you to tell me. Kind of closed the book, set it to the side. Two weeks later... I have an encounter with God in my kitchen. I'm pouring a glass of milk, and he says, you can do nothing without me. And and immediately, all the power, all the strength in my body left, and I was frozen. And I was trying to pour this glass of milk. This is where y'all can start thinking I'm weird. It's okay, because I'm a little weird. I couldn't pick the gallon of milk up off the counter and pour it in the cup. And then I jerked my hands back like this, and he stuck my pinky right in front of my face. He said... You can't bend the tip of your pinky without me. I tried to do it. I couldn't do it. My legs are shaking. I'm shaking. My bottom lip's shaking. I have no idea what to do. And I go and I find this guy that's building a church. Get in my truck. Find this guy that's building a church. I grab him. He, he's, it's a small church and they're building a new property. And he has electrical and plumbing crews and carpenter crews. And I grab the pastor and I said, I need to talk to you sweating, shaking, chill bumps, have no idea what's going on with me. I forgot the prayer that I prayed. I said, I need to talk to you. And he looked at me and he says, I know you do. How do you know? He takes me into his office. He puts his feet up on the desk. He says, okay, Dustin, what what you got to say? I said, I don't know you, but you better tell me something. (laughs) I fell on the ground and I began to cry and cry and cry. I got up enough strength and I looked up at him. I said, what? in the world is going on with me. He said, God's cleaning you out. I fell on the ground again and I began to cry and cry and cry. And I looked up at him again with all sincerity. I said, what do I do now? I owned a business. I was big baller, shot caller. had everything I thought I wanted in life, but I didn't even know if I knew how to breathe. I was so born again. I didn't say the sinner's prayer. I didn't know the sinner's prayer. If you would have told me the, like, okay, I, he could have told me to wear purple and underwear on Tuesdays and I would have done it. I, didn't, I said, what do I do? How do I live? He said, repent, repent, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit, and be added to the church. I had no idea what that meant, but I said, okay. That was 18 years ago. My dad was a uh, pretty serious drug dealer and dog fighter in Houston, Texas. We would have two, four, two to four times a year U-Haul trucks show up with 50-gallon barrels of bricks of Coke and dope. My house was a weighing station. They would cut it, repackage it, distribute it all over the United States. We shipped fighting dogs all over the world. This is what I grew up in. But I made good grades. I, I went to school, played sports. I never denied God. I was just ignorant of him. But from that day till now, I've been leading my family to the Lord one by one. I led my dad to the Lord, my mother to the Lord, my brother to the Lord. I've been the first person saved in my family on both sides as far back. On my mom's side and my dad's side. We love the Lord. We serve him. My kids serve him. If it was fake, I wouldn't be doing it this long. He's awesome. He's awesome. He's awesome. I'm going to preach a message, and I hope it's good, but I can stop right here if you need the Lord in your life. You ain't waiting on him. He's waiting on you. And you can have as much of him as you want. Hallelujah. What would you do, Springs Church, if the Lord asked you to steward revival? Do you want to be a Christian and just attend church and do good things? Do good Christian things? There's nothing wrong with that. I want revival. What would you do if he asked you to steward it? The Lord began to put you guys on my heart. And I would have pictures of Peter in the church and, and the campus ministry, and I would just have pictures. I would see your faces. I began to pray, and he says, Dustin, I want you to go down. I want you to encourage them. I want you to encourage them. So I thought I ate some pizza, and I was just dreaming a lot, like late night pizza. You know what I'm talking about? You have crazy dreams. So about a month ago, I called Pastor Peter. I said, I think the Lord wants me to come down and encourage you guys. I think that all the things that are necessary for revival are laying dormant. It's ready. He's trusted you. And I think I'm just a little spark that ignites it. It's not about me, just what God wants to do through me. What would you do if he asked you to steward revival? I've got a message for you. And the title of it is, We Provide the Sacrifice, God Provides the Fire. We Provide the Sacrifice... God provides the fire over and over and over throughout the Bible in the Old Testament. They didn't light the altars to the Lord. He lit them. All they did was brought the sacrifice. Even Elijah, remember Elijah, the prophets of Baal? He sliced up the ox and poured water over the wood and the offering, and the Lord's fire still came and consumed the sacrifice. Nothing has changed today. Even in our New T- Testament, New Covenant, we provide the sacrifice and he provides the fire. I've got a couple passages that I'm going to want you to turn to. And if you have it on your phone or your Bibles, it's 2 Chronicles 5, 6, and 7 and Acts chapter 2. Second Chronicles 5, 6, and 7 and Acts chapter 2. I'm going to be talking about fire. And Luke chapter 3 verse 16 it says john answered them all this is john the baptist he says i baptize you with water but he who is mightier than i is coming the strap of whose sandals i am not worthy to untie he will baptize you with the holy spirit and with fire say fire it's not dustin talking about fire it's the bible How many of you would like a little bit of fire in your life? It doesn't just happen to people with passionate personalities. It doesn't happen to people that just obey God and do everything he says to do and, you know, come to church all the time and give and know the Bible forwards and backwards. It happens to the worst of us. How many of you want some fire in your life? How many of you are a little bit tired of going through the motions? Just going through the motions. God, I know you're real. I know you're real. I know you can move. I know you like doing signs, wonders, and miracles. I know you like saturating me with your presence. But, Lord, right now I'm dry. I don't feel anything. I need you, Lord. David, King David. Was a man that had a lot of problems in his life. I'm going to talk about him and I'm going to associate this with the fire of God in our life. But King David, you know, he, he grew up in Saul's house. Saul was a king. And Saul did a pretty good job in the beginning. And then he started seeking after his own desires instead of God's. And he lost the Ark of the Covenant to the enemy, the Philistines. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Do y'all remember this? Y'all reading your Bible? He loses it. They try to bring it back, but they have to stop at Obed Edom's house. And Obed was getting blessed and blessed and blessed. And the ark stayed there. The sacrificial system stopped. They even brought it, brought it from there to off jerim And then at, during this time, the transition from Saul being the king to David being the king. Saul killed his thousands. David has killed his ten thousands. David went through many, many problems. But he was defeating the enemies of God for the people of Israel and the people of Judah. He was killing them. Over and over, he would go to battle, he would go to war, and he would kill the enemies of God. But many, many, his own family tried to kill him. So many problems. But David's greatest desire at the end of his kingdom, when there were peace, there was peace in Israel and peace in Judah. But his greatest desire, after he had conquered all of God's enemies, his greatest desire was to create a place where the Spirit of God could dwell because the Ark of the Covenant was still at Kiriath Jerem, but he wanted to bring it back home. He wanted to bring it back home. His greatest desire was to build a magnificent place where the Spirit of God could dwell. Are y'all with me so far? But the prophet Nathan came to him and said, No, you will not. You will not build this place, David, because, David, you are a man of blood. You're a man of blood. But David didn't stop there because it was his greatest desire. He then began to make... Every provision necessary so that his son Solomon, so that the next generation could build a temple where the Spirit of God could dwell. With me so far? So David made treaties with Hiram. He, he got the cedars of Lebanon. He got artisans who molded silver, bronze, and gold. He set up all the provisions so that the temple could be built by his son Solomon. Read with me here in 2nd Chronicles. I'm going to read this fast. 2nd Chronicles chapter 5 verse 11. 2nd Chronicles chapter 5 verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. David had made every provision necessary and this is where Solomon begins to build the temple in 2nd Chronicles 5 6 and 7. Verse 12, And the Levites, who were singers, all those of Asaph, Haman, and Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests. Remember that? How many priests? 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house. So let me just... Recap what I just read. Ark of the Covenant in kiriath David wants to build a temple. He can't build the temple. Solomon's going to build the temple. Solomon takes all the provision that his dad, David, the man of blood, and he builds this temple. I'm going somewhere, I promise. Hang with me. So they take the Ark of the Covenant, the 120 priests, and they're worshiping before the Lord, and they're taking 20 over 20,000 bulls and 120,000 goats and sheep and sacrificing them every step that they take from Kiriath-Jerim to the resting place. So much sacrifice of animal flesh. Can you imagine the blood? If you're a little queasy this morning, I'm sorry, but it was a tremendous sacrifice but they're going to establish the presence of God. Read with me here. Second Chronicles, skip to chapter 6, 40 and 41. The temple's complete. Solomon's praying. He says this, Now, my God, may your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Now, arise, O God, O Lord God, and come to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. May your priests, O Lord, be clothed with salvation. May your saints rejoice in your goodness. So Solomon's praying. He knows it was his father's greatest desire to bring the presence of God to its resting place. Solomon's praying this. He says, We've done all we can do. We've built the temple. We've made the sacrifice. And this is what happened in 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 3, the dedication of the temple. It says, when Solomon finished finished praying, fire, say fire, fire, came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire, say fire. Fire. Coming down in the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying he is good, his love. Just a side note. They could number the sacrifices on the way from Kiriath-Jerim to the temple. 120, over 20,000 bulls. You know this sacrifice right here, when they dedicated the temple, they couldn't count They did another second sacrifice. They couldn't count it. Now, if you can count 120,000 of anything, you can count pretty high. They couldn't count. The sacrifice was so great. If we provide the sacrifice, he provides the fire. the greater the sacrifice the greater the fire you know the old testament is the new testament concealed and the new testament is the old testament revealed have you ever heard that before anybody ever heard that before there's nothing in the new testament that's not concealed in the old testament and there's nothing in the old testament that's not revealed in the new testament it all matches Do you know that there was another man of blood? His name is Jesus. Jesus went through many hardships to set his people free from the enemy. Jesus's greatest desire was to build a temple where his spirit could dwell. That's why he wanted to come from heaven to earth. That's why in John 15, he says, don't go away. Not many days from now, the Holy Spirit who is now with you will be in you. Jesus is the man of blood. Jesus has made every provision necessary for his sons and daughters to build a temple where the spirit of God can dwell. Jesus. No longer, his spirit no longer lives in buildings built with brick and mortar. He lives in the hearts of men. And you know what? You might be thinking, well, he may live in Monica's heart because she's holy. You don't know what I did last night or last week or last year. You don't know what I struggle with. Spirit of God doesn't want to live in me. Isn't it amazing that it's not up to you? If it was, there's no need for Jesus. Jesus is the one that has made every provision necessary so that the Spirit of God can live inside of you. Jesus was the man of blood, not you. Jesus did all the hard work so you don't have to. Jesus forgives you, heals all your diseases, delivers you from all enemies, provides for all your needs, and forgives you of all sin, past, present, and future. He has made your temple holy, cleansed, and righteous so the Spirit of God can dwell on the inside of you. That is great news. It's not up to me. It's not up to me. Am I yelling too much? I can't help it. I can't help it. So how does the fire come? If Jesus made every provision necessary so that the spirit of God can dwell on the inside of me, how does this fire come? Are y'all tracking with me? Sacrifice. Well, if, if Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice... Why do I need a sacrifice? I'm so glad you asked that. You're tracking with me. There is a one atoning sacrifice, but the Levitical priests also offered daily sacrifice. In the New Testament, do you ever hear the scripture? Offer a sac or in the Psalms a sacrifice of praise? No longer do we sacrifice the flesh of animals. We're still sacrificing flesh. We sacrifice the flesh of us. Your flesh is your selfish desires. Now, I'm not telling everybody to shave their head and become a monk and a missionary somewhere overseas. But we have things that are hindering God operating in our life. You see, Jesus was the man of blood that made every provision necessary so that you could build a temple where the spirit of God can dwell. But he is not going to build the temple for you. You got to believe him. You got to believe that he's already done all the work and all you got to do is believe it and start moving in it. And you bring the sacrifice of your selfish desires, your flesh. Well, I don't want to do that, Lord. Well, that's not me. That's not my calling. That's not my gifting. That's not what I'm called to. What would it look like if you were to steward revival? It would look like us offering our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is our spiritual act of worship. Acts chapter two, Acts chapter two, my favorite chapter, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. And in Acts chapter one, verse 15, there was 120, 120 people in the upper room worshiping. How many Levitical priests? 120. Huh? There's 120 in the upper room. Let's see what happens in this upper room. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house. Didn't we just read that in Second Chronicles 5, 6, and 7? Filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. Was there fire in Chronicles? Consuming the sacrifice? Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What are they doing? Instead of them offering the sacrifices of the flesh of animals, they're offering the sacrifice of their flesh. They're saying, God, we worship you. We praise you. I am sick right now, but you are the healer. I am in lack, but you are the provider. You're the miracle worker. You're the mountain mover. You're the redeemer, the restorer. You make all things new. I worship you and I praise you. I give you my life as an offering. Everything that I am, everything that I want, everything that I think is good or bad or ugly or great, it's all yours. I'm yours. Consume me, Lord. And tongues of fire began to consume them. And revival breaks out and the church is birth. Amen. What? What would it look like to steward revival? What would it look like if I truly offered my body as a living sacrifice? Oh, let, me, let me read this. Let me read this to you. When we provide the sacrifice, God provides the fire. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. The last scripture here, 1 Corinthians 6, 19, just in case you didn't believe me. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Jesus made every provision necessary so that his spirit can live on the inside of you. We offer the sacrifices so that the fire of God comes and consumes us. And once you are lit on fire... You catch everything else around you on fire and it burns.